In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. This is the second Sunday of Epiphany, and so we are continuing to reflect upon how it is that the Lord manifests Himself, that the Lord makes Himself known to us and to His church. We've seen how He has made Himself known uh, through the person of our Savior Jesus Christ, how He made Himself known to, to Mary and Joseph, how He revealed Himself to the shepherds. We've seen Him reveal Himself to the Gentiles in the person of the Magi. He's revealed himself in his baptism, in the waters, as the voice of the Father says, this is my son. And now he's revealing himself to his disciples. He's making himself known to the disciples in his calling of them. The gospel reading this morning begins with, and the next day. The next day is three days after his baptism. The day before, between these two, he has already gone back to John and he has started to call his disciples. So you see in John's Gospel how we have this kind of spiraling, uh, returning, this kind of uh, building up, if you will, of his relationship and his uh, making himself known to the disciples. They see him uh, as he is revealed in baptism, and uh, many of those first disciples were uh, disciples of John's. And so as John is doing the baptizing, he's pointing to them and saying, this is the one uh, who I have been preparing you for. And so Jesus has already called the first disciple Andrew, and uh, it's inferred in the text that it's uh, John the Evangelist who's also there that first day of calling. And now he's gone back and he's calling this uh, greater group, Philip now, and then Philip going and uh, discipling Nathaniel, right? Inviting him to come and see. And indeed, this is our response to being called by the Lord. We have to act. If we're going to believe, we have to act. If we're called by his voice, if we uh, hear his voice, if we uh, read the scriptures, we have to respond by acting, by following, uh, by coming and seeing uh, the Lord. We have to respond uh, to his call. And it's very important that we see that they had put themselves into the position where they might do that. They'd put themselves in the position of hearing from the Lord. They had already uh, been, number one, reading the scriptures, right? So they knew John because they had been reading the scriptures. And so it's very important that we recognize that Philip is telling them this is the one who Moses and the prophets had been telling us about. See, they wouldn't have known who they were looking for if they hadn't been reading the scriptures, if they didn't know it. When they say that this is the one Moses was telling us about, what are they saying? They're talking about the first five books of the Bible, right? This is the Pentateuch, the ones that are written by Moses. So we see Christ uh, proclaimed in Genesis. We see him uh, talked about in Exodus. We are prepared for the coming of the Messiah and the very first books of Scripture. So that's the first thing. Philip is saying, we've been waiting and being prepared by our reading of Scripture and of the prophets. Their response to that So the reading of the scripture wasn't just to sit around waiting. Their response was to go out with John to the wilderness and to be a disciple of his, to leave everything and to respond uh, to this uh, hunger for the coming of the Messiah by serving along with John in his ministry of baptizing and of calling to repentance. And then as they're ready to do that, now they're ready to hear the coming of the Messiah. They're ready for Jesus' voice. And so often this is the progression that we forget about when we read the lives of the saints and we close the book and we say, oh, I could never do that. I could never be that bold or that courageous. Uh, No, you can't maybe today. 
But the point is we're every day supposed to be responding and growing, responding and growing in our coming and seeing and our following of Jesus. And this response, this activity is what brings about faith, right? It's our response to that uh, first call. Indeed, this is what we see happening with Samuel. We see him going through this kind of growth, and we see the whole nation of Israel going through a kind of a a growth and a transition and a response and their relationship with the Lord. Samuel is a hinge figure. He's a keystone figure in the scriptures. We really have to know him, and we really have to know his life if we're going to understand the flow of salvation history. If you remember, Moses leads the nation of Israel up out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they wander in the wilderness and Moses takes them up to the edge of the promised land. Remember, he isn't able to take them all the way in. He stands on the mountain and he is able to look over into the promised land. It's Joshua that leads them in. And Joshua is really the first of uh, many generations of what we call judges who lead Israel. You remember Gideon and Deborah and Samson. These are the judges, these uh, holy people, and sometimes not that holy, people that are representatives of God and uh, that are called these judges. And it's several hundred years between Moses and Samuel that they're being led by these judges. And then you'll remember that after this passage in Samuel, the Lord raises him up as a prophet and says, the nation of Israel is asking for a king. And it's Samuel the prophet, who's here a young boy, that is the one that anoints both Saul and David. And so he is the one that the Lord uses to institute this new uh, long season of the kingdoms, of being ruled by kings. So this transition happens in the person of Samuel the prophet, and he's a really amazing figure. It's incredible that he is where he is. If you uh, look at this lesson, he's in the temple of God where the Ark of the Covenant is kept. It's remarkable that a young boy is there, and it's remarkable that he's an Ephraimite. He's not a Levite, and that he's able to be in this sanctuary that the Lord had specifically told them only the Levites were supposed to be in. So here's an Ephraimite boy whom the Lord calls up, and this is just one more example of how the Lord takes the least likely and raises us up, right? When we have nothing to show for ourselves, when we seemingly have no ability, no promise, the Lord grabs us and says, now you're ready for good use, right? Now you're completely mine. And so he speaks to Samuel. This is a very important um, method of prayer, if you will, uh, a kind of prayer that Samuel is following, that the Eli teaches him. It's a method that we ourselves uh, can be following in our contemplative and meditative practices. And that is to uh, lay on our beds, to lay on our couches in quiet, and to wait for the Lord to say our names. To wait for the Lord to say our names, and then our response to that is what? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, right? To have that response of Samuel. So to be waiting just for the Lord to say our names, and then to respond, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then the Lord tells Samuel uh, the last thing that he wants to hear and tells him then to tell it to the last person he'd want to tell it to. Isn't that wonderful? This is why people don't listen to the voice of the Lord, right? I've had many people tell me, oh, the Lord doesn't talk to me. Hogwash. He's talking to you all the time. His station is always on. We're not tuning in because he's telling us to do things that we don't want to do. He's telling me to do things that I don't want to do. 
Right? Samuel didn't want to go and tell Eli, hey, you've messed up with your kids so bad that you're all going to die and the ministry of your house is going to end. Eli was his only support, right? He was his father figure. He had nobody else to depend upon. This would be like going into your boss and your uh, mayor and your wife and everybody else and saying, you're all messing up, not doing anything you're supposed to do, and the Lord's going to punish you. Nobody wants to, to do that, right? Especially as a child. And the best part about this story is if you look closely, Eli knew what the Lord was saying. See, Eli knew what the Lord was telling him to do. And he refused. He refused to restrain his sons. Eli is wise in a way, though, because he does say, may it be upon you if you don't tell me what it is that the Lord wants me to hear. And so he uh, teaches uh, Samuel that very important Um, very important lesson after listening to the Lord, and that is to be obedient, to speak the words that the Lord has spoken to us. And so finally Samuel does tell Eli, and indeed those words come true. This is our difficulty, right? That we, we hear the voice of the Lord, we know what we're called to do, and we have such a tough time. Indeed, Eli was having a tough time restraining his kids because he was having a tough time restraining himself. This is the truth over and over again with parents, isn't it? I know this as a parent and as one who works with parents, the hardest thing is to get our children to do the things that we struggle with, right? To get them to restrain themselves in the way that we're having trouble restraining ourselves. And indeed, this is what St. Paul is talking about in his first letter to the Corinthians. He is talking to Christians here. Make no mistake, he is talking to baptized believers when he's telling them, now you have to obey the words of the Lord in righteousness, right? He isn't saying, say a prayer and then everything's going to be okay, right? Say some prayer of salvation and then you're going to be saved and don't worry about it. What is he telling them has happened to them? He's told them that they have been put in place to live lives of righteousness. What does he say? He says, you were washed. What does he mean by that? You were washed. You were baptized, right? He's saying you were baptized. He says you were sanctified. What does he mean by that? You've received the Holy Ghost in chrismation, right? He's saying you've been baptized, you've received the Holy Ghost, and then what's the third thing? You were justified. What does that mean? You've been taught the ways of walking according to God's will, right? We're justified when our lives are made to be in agreement with God's life, right? With His will. We're justified. We're aligned. We're simpatico. We're in line with Him, right? So He's saying you've been put in line, and you've been given the Holy Spirit, and you've been washed, and now you're supposed to be living lives of righteousness. And you're not doing that. And the primary place that he talks about here is sexual immorality, which is so important. He makes very clear, he says, the difference in sexual immorality from all the others is that it's done in the body. That means our very spirits are changed by sexual immorality. Right? When we join ourselves to another person in sexual intimacy, we actually have bonded ourselves to that person. We've actually joined ourselves. The two become one flesh. So we can be sexually intimate with somebody and not know them for 20 years and see them again and have an instant connection that is going to be there for all of our lives because we have been joined with that person. And he's saying, don't join yourself with just anybody. Join yourself with the Lord. And then it's very clear that we join ourselves in marriage, lifelong marriage. There are two ways that we can be intimate, in marriage or to be chased outside of marriage. 
It's very clear in what the church teaches. Is this to punish us? No, it's to to benefit us, right? To keep us safe, to keep us whole, to keep our bodies and minds and spirits um, clean and free from the heartbreak and the tragedy and all the ugliness of life that we know results from sexual immorality. We're saving ourselves and our children by being willing to restrain them if we will only seek the Lord and His help. To restrain ourselves and our children. Isn't it strange that it says that Samuel didn't know the Lord? What the heck? Wasn't he in the temple? That'd be like saying somebody was sleeping here in the church every night, and then we said about that person, but they didn't know the Lord. You'd say, how could they not? Right? That'll be like somebody who was here and we were reading the scriptures every day, right? Because Eli's responsibility was to read the scriptures every day. And then to say they were reading the scriptures every day and didn't know the Lord. That'd be like saying somebody was there for the sacrifice. They were here for Holy Communion every day and sleeping in the sanctuary and didn't know the Lord. Because he hadn't yet responded. He hadn't yet heard his voice and then been obedient. That's how we come to know the Lord. In obedience. In responding to his voice. In waiting upon him. And then acting with restraint. With the willingness to restrain ourselves so that we might show forth his justification, and his righteousness. May we be washed, may we be sanctified, and may we be justified so that we are able to restrain ourselves and our children for their benefit and for their salvation and for everlasting life for us and for all that we love.